Money FM 89.3, best of the evening runway. Why it matters. Money FM 89.3. It is the evening runway. I'm Elliot Danker. It's now time for Why It Matters. And you know what? Switzerland is once again the world's most talent competitive country. This according to the 2023 Global Talent Competitiveness Index by Business School INSEAD. Now, the European country has held its crown for 10 consecutive years, benefiting from its high levels of social protection and quality of its natural environment. Now, if you're thinking, what about Singapore? Well, similarly, Singapore Singapore also held on to second place, followed by the United States, which climbed to third place after taking fourth in the 2022 rankings. Now, the annual report measures how 134 countries draw in, grow, and retain their talent. The top 10 countries have remained steady over the past decade, with Switzerland and Singapore consistently topping the charts as clear leaders. We're going to find out more about the significance of this study and really what does it mean for the future of global talent readiness. On the line with me, is Felipe Montero, who is the co-author and academic director of the Global Talent Competitive Index 2023. He's also Senior Affiliate Professor of Strategy at INSEAD. Felipe, good afternoon. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you, Valid. Thank you so much for taking the time. Let's uh, talk a little bit about this Global Talent Competitiveness Index. It's been 10 years now. Your thoughts on, you know, getting a better understanding of this index? Right. So you have a fantastic summary at the beginning. But basically what we're trying to do here is how do we compare countries, right? And specifically, we are comparing 134 countries in how competitive they are in terms of talent. And when we mean talent, we're trying to measure that competitiveness of talent along six dimensions. Mm. So we are interested not only how countries attract talent, but also how they grow the talent, they retain the talent. And what type of impact this has in terms of vocational knowledge and skills. So it's super hard, as you can appreciate, how do you measure talent? So our approach in this index is let's take 69 variables across those main pillars and try to create a composite index that captures right, and compare countries in those dimensions. So that's basically what we're trying to do. I wonder, though, you know, the whole COVID pandemic has seen a pivot for a lot of countries as far as being more talent ready is concerned. With this year's result, it, would you consider it significant considering it's the first clear one year away from COVID? So I think we're still seeing the impact of COVID. I think qualitatively, as we talk to different executives and policymakers around the world, we have no doubt right, that COVID has profoundly changed the global talent landscape. So that's true. When you look at the index itself, I think a lot of our variables, they still can, there's a lag between, you know, what we can see in the variables and what is happening. So we start to see things, for example, quality of life, how much talent really appreciates, you know, quality of life, because now maybe, right, we're having this conversation, you were in Singapore, I'm in France. So a lot of us, right, are working remotely. Yeah. So, in that sense, if you, if you are a talent person, you can say, yes, maybe I want to work in this place or in that other place. So I think quality of life is, for example, one of the variables that we see having an increasing importance after COVID. I think it always matters, but I think even more now. But I think we have to wait and see because I believe we are far from an equilibrium in yeah. terms of 
companies really finding out what is the new model. Yeah, so I think we see, we're still seeing the early signals of the post-COVID. Okay, okay, fair enough. It's early signals. Uh, Prof, just to get more thoughts on how countries are trying to attract and nurture talent, apart from quality of life, how else are countries attracting talent? I think it is is very important, right, as you think about the ability of a country to attract but also to retain. First is how much of of this talent flow we have, because a lot of talent, they want to be able, right, to go and, and move across countries. So we talk about this concept of brain circulation. So brain circulation, and that matters a lot for Singapore, okay? It's not only the ability of keep attracting people and keep attracting talent people, Sometimes, you know, your own talent will go somewhere else and then come back. So I think that idea that the, right, the leaders in talent competitiveness, they allow for this brain circulation, is pretty important right? because it's not only that you have kind of fixed talent, but you have that ability to keep talent flowing. Professor, let's look at Switzerland and, and Singapore, you know, ranking first and second. What are some of the key drivers that puts us in that position to attract top talent? As we compare Switzerland and Singapore, and by the way, congratulations to Singapore, <laughs> right? It's quite outstanding that you know, Singapore has managed to be on the top of the ranking, kind of number two, mm. almost all 10 years. So it is right. And no, as we look in terms of regions, right, in Asia, no question whatsoever in terms of the Singapore leadership. So congratulations to you, to your listeners in Singapore. So if you compare Switzerland and, and Singapore, I mean, they're very close. Yeah. The thing that really catches up our attention is Singapore's position in terms of re- talent retention. Mm, so okay. Switzerland has been doing better in terms of retention. And, and I think if you look, it, it really boils down to you no know, issues like pension coverage and social protection. So I think right, maybe one area that Singapore can consider, and, and, and by the way, I don't think right, it is a bad place to be on second, but I know the ambitions right, of, of Singapore. You always want to be first. Uh, so right, rightfully so. So I think right, maybe in that area of okay. how to create, right, and maybe even when, as we're talking about the idea of quality of life, yeah. I think maybe this is something right, that Singapore can continue to work and improve. I'm sure, I'm sure even cost of living is something worth throwing in there as well. But Professor, since we talk about the best in the world, what about the worst? Uh, Who came in last place and and what are they doing wrong? So I think it is, if you look at the bottom of the ranking right now, we were discussing, right, we have 134 countries. If you look at the bottom 10, bottom 20, this is predominantly dominated by Sub-Saharan Africa. Okay. okay. So this is a really poor, there's a high correlation, right, between countries, right, GDP per capita and the scores in the ranking. Um, so it is predominated by that region of the world. And maybe Elliot, one thing that we also identified over those 10 years mm. is that the talent inequalities across countries, actually they are increasing, they are not diminishing. So it is, as we think about right, the world and, and those 100, 134 countries that we cover, what we see over time is that the best ones are getting better and better, okay. Singapore included, right? And the ones that which are left behind, the gap between them and the top ones are increasing, right? That gap is increasing, which, right, I think is a call for action as, right, the, mm-hmm. the global community, right, to make mm-hmm. sure, especially in those poorer countries, that right investment in education and right and and reskilling up skilling yeah. right is done because 
yeah, what we see over time is that, unfortunately, there are a number of countries which are simply left behind. Yeah, that, that's, that's true, Professor. I, I, I do wonder, you know, because of COVID and the emergence of even more connectivity, it does put the spotlight on emerging economies. What are your thoughts on this? And if so, which emerging economies should we watch out for? Let me kind of first talk about kind of emerging economies sure. in terms of how they do economically, and then we, we extrapolate and, and maybe speculate together about sure. which emerging com- uh, countries might be leading in terms of talent. So what we see, right, this year is a special year because for the first time, right, the emerging seven countries, right, the top seven emerging countries, their GDP in PPP terms is higher than the G7. So it, is a, it shows the relative importance of emerging economies to the world. And, and maybe you kind of you tell me, oh, okay, Philip, but is, isn't it just China's story? And if I say, okay, let's take China of E7, but also let's take the U.S. out of the G7. And then the E6 is still larger than the uh, G6. Mm. So I'm saying all this to say, yes, we should pay attention, a lot of attention to the emerging economies because you see their economies are really having a stronger importance in the global economy. Mm. This said, when you look at the talent landscape, there is still a lag. Okay? Okay. We don't have any emerging economy in the top of our list. So if you go right to the, our top 20, top 25, this is predominantly dominated by European countries, then you have, you know, enriched countries, and then right, you have Singapore number two. So the emerging economies are not yet there, but, and that's an important but, what we have seen over time as well is they're getting better, right? Mm-hmm. So, for example, yeah. China. Right? Wow. China is a, is a country that today, right, is still 40 in our list, but, right, they, China is really getting better. So my prediction is that over time, what we'll see, we will see more of those emerging markets the same way that they kind of played an, out of a more important role in the economy, they also play a more important role in the talent landscape. Mm, fair enough. And then also adding to how the people from that country start to upskill and the global coverage as well. That brings me to my last point, which is a sensitive one. What about issues like talent inequalities, gender inequalities? How does that factor into this index and, and what's worth watching out for as the index continues over the next decade? Yeah, so I think the, the, the point about inequalities also in terms of gender is a very important one. Thanks yeah. for asking about it. Because what we see is also that COVID accentuated that. Okay. So those who really suffered the most in terms of, right, in the talent landscape were women during COVID. Mm. So like, these are the ones that, you know, many times have to stay with the kids, many times had to stop working. So there was a, right, a gap that gap accentuated over COVID. So this is something to be you know, addressed and remedied over the next few years. So kind of really an area to watch for. Yeah. And as I think about the future, right? I mean, nobody has a crystal ball, but yeah. I think it is kind of very plausible to believe that what we're going to have is kind of a new, new requirements, a new kind of workforce that okay. requires more flexibility, more adaptability, you know, that pays more attention to purpose of right, their organizations, to pay more attention to the quality of life. So my overall recommendation to kind of CEOs and policymakers is that as we think about the talent of the future, that we have the flexibility to listen mm-hmm. to what this new workforce will be demanding, right? And that we are able to adjust 
and are able to create a you know a talent environment where people really feel good about what they're doing, that they feel you know connected to what the, the purpose of the company and of the organization. Right. And they feel, yes, we are happy to live in that place. Yeah. Yeah. I think nine to five and working in a company for 30 years, that's that's in the past. No more. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. If you right, we, we, you, I work for a, a business school, right? I, every year here in France and in Singapore, we are forming some of the brightest yeah. uh, generation of new managers. Yeah. And you see, right, their expectations are very different. Yeah. As you said, no, nobody expects to stay in the same company for 30 years and work nine to five. Yeah, times have changed. I've been speaking with Felipe Montero, who's the co-author and academic director of the Global Talent Competitiveness Index 2023, as well as Senior Affiliate Professor of Strategy for INSEAD. Thank you so much for your time. Take care and have a great Thursday ahead. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.